Welcome back to the Prolific Author Podcast. I hope everyone is having a great week of writing. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever wondered why it is that we need to tell stories that are full of conflict and tragedy and these kind of negative things, negative emotions? I mean, we all know that that's the case. If we tell a story that's just happy, happy, happy all the time, that's not much of a story. It's not going to keep the reader engaged. It's not going to keep us engaged. But why is it important that we tell these stories? Well, that's the topic that we're going to be addressing today in my interview with author Crystal Webster. And I'm really, really excited for you to hear the interview because I think this is a really important topic, I mean, for anybody, whether they're a writer or not, but especially as fiction writers, you need to understand this in order to connect with your readers and write a really compelling story. So we're going to hop into that in just a minute. But before we do, I want to announce that I am finally putting on a workshop that I have been looking forward to for months. It is going to be entitled Effective Marketing Without Paid Ads. Okay, so this is specifically for fiction authors, and it's going to be held inside the Prolific Author Facebook group July 6th through the 8th. Okay, so if you want to register for that, go to bit.ly forward slash TPA workshop, which of course stands for The Prolific Author. So bit.ly forward slash TPA workshop, and I will put the link in the show notes so that you can get registered for that workshop. It's going to be a three-part workshop where I'll go live on three different days, and it's going to be super, super fun. So I'm very, very excited for it, and I hope you will join me there. Okay, without further ado, let's jump into this really, really important and poignant interview with Crystal. Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. Let's face it, readers read fiction to feel emotion and be transported and transformed. In this ongoing digital revolution, where online marketing is always in flux, the only way to create a sustainable author business and live off your royalties is to write transformational stories, market at every stage of the author journey, and cultivate a loyal audience of readers. Fortunately, there's never been more opportunity to make a living as a fiction author. Hi, I'm Liesl Hill, USA Today best-selling author and story clarity coach. When I'm not dictating my own stories about dragons, serial killers, and dystopian worlds, I help other authors write their own transformational fiction, position them as bestsellers, and market them like pros. Join me on the podcast where I give writing tips, marketing how-tos, story advice, and interviews with other authors who are in the trenches just like you and making it work. We are prolific authors. All right. We are here today with Crystal Webster. How are you doing today, Crystal? Good. It's a sunny day today, so I'm excited about that. Good, good. Yeah, I think it's actually pretty nice here, too. We've had some gloomy days, so it's always nice to see the sun. <laughs> yes. I don't care if it's negative, you know, 30 degrees. If the sun's out, I'm, a, I'm happier than I could be. <laughs> good, good. Um, all right, well, why don't you start by telling everyone who you are and what you do and what you write? Yeah. Um, so I'm Crystal Webster. I am the founder and chief solace officer of Sharing Solace. I am the author of my first book entitled Confessions of a Griever, turning a hot mess into an hot message, laughable <laughs> lessons for when life just sucks. And most importantly, I am Madeline's mother. Nice. So tell us about how that all came about. Um, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I make it sound so short, but it's not. Yeah, just tell me about it. Kind of like, why? Why? Well, you know, because. Um, so in 2010, my daughter, Madeline Elizabeth, died in my arms eight hours after she was born. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, 
and as I'm assuming you can assume, um, I was rocked to my core. I fell into a very deep spiraling depression. Um, I felt like I was the only person that has ever experienced that kind of pain and suffering in, in the world. Mm. Um, but I learned that, well, and also I learned that even though I felt completely alone, there is a community out there that unfortunately has experienced exactly what I've experienced. Yeah. And there's a community out there of grievers, people that are, you know, grieving the loss of something they'll never get back. Mm -hmm. But we don't ever talk about it. And so I think that it is important to share our store, our, our stories that we don't want to hear, you know, it, that makes you cringe. Mm -hmm. um, so that people know that there are others out there that get it because they've walked in their shoes before. Right. And that's not specifically around grief. That's around everything really. We only want to talk about, like I said, the sunny days and the rainbows and the puppy dogs. Um, well, and I think though, would you agree that um, in a way it is about grief, even if it's, I, I, I understand what you mean. It's not necessarily about specifically what your loss was, but it's important to share our grief stories, no matter what they are. And, and why do you think that is? Because it's that vulnerability that really ties us together as a human race. It's, you know, digging down under that surface layer that really connect us in a meaningful, worthwhile way. Mm. Yeah. I have jets flying over my house. They're kind of loud. Ah. <laughs> I was wondering what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I live right next to an airbase, so I can cut that out. But anyway. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I really I really like that because I feel like, you know, my audience is mostly um, fiction authors, but you don't get too many fiction stories where everybody's happy and everything goes perfectly, right? The whole point is you have to have conflict, you have to have tragedy. In fact, I have a brother who is not actually a writer, but he's so funny. He's a big reader. He's very into stories. He's very into high fantasy. And I've actually heard him say before, you know, it's not really a worthwhile story unless somebody good dies. <laughs> And it's because that's what makes us feel that deep human connection, I think, you know, and so uh, obviously there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, other kinds of conflict and other kinds of grief. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think it's just a matter of sharing our grief stories and our conflict and, and the things we struggle with. Like you said, it's, it's that human connection more than the happiness will be. Because when we're happy, I think we want to just do our own thing and be, be happy. But when we're in our grief, that's when we need connection the most do you yes have you found that that's true mm -hmm. yeah well and the and the era of facebook and twitter and instagram all you see is happy mm -hmm. you know all you see is oh look i'm on well not this year but <laughs> oh look i'm on this vacation oh look i did this cool thing oh you know people don't like to share i didn't get out of bed today yeah because i was i just couldn't um and so i think that also guilts us in to or out of our grief because mm -hmm. um, well nobody else is sad you know that 
I see everyone else's outsides, but I feel my insides. Oh, well, nobody else is sad. Why am I sad? I shouldn't be sad. Hmm. So it kind of gives you permission to feel that grief. Yes. And, and, you, and you need to feel it in order to work through it, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So how did the, you know, just the action of, of writing it and creating this book, how did that help you work through your grief? There is something magical about putting pen to paper. There is. Um, I, I don't know what it is, whether that's journaling or writing a book for others to read or writing something that you're just going to burn or rip up. There is something just amazing about taking it from head to heart to hand and out on the paper. And I th think it, it kind of pulls those emotions out of you. Kind of lost you there. Um, let's see. I don't know what you were speaking about. Um, I don't either. <laughs> you talked about head to heart to hand. I don't know if you said anything after that before. It. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, we can keep going. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's keep going. <laughs> um, so tell me, how long did it take you to, to get your book written? Um, it took me... I want to say about 10 months. I wanted it done. I had, I had an internal deadline. Um, I wanted it out by May 19th of 2020. And I was come hell or high water. I was going to make that happen. And you did. And I did. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. So how does that feed into your, your company, the sharing solace? Um, so sharing solace is helping is, our whole mission is to help grievers grieve and lovers love their griever mm. with tangible gifts that are wrapped in a community of support. Wow. Um, so everything we do is all about providing support for those that are grieving and those that love those that are grieving. Cause I so think, is it like a community? Is it like a Facebook group or tell us how does it work? Um, yeah. I mean, yes, it is a community. And also, we, um, I created, actually, I'm wearing the necklace that I created. Nice. To say I created it, that's, that's an understatement. My Madeline created it and then told me what I was supposed to do. As woohoo-y as that sounds, like. No, I don't think that's woohoo-y at all. I'm not smart. I'm not creative. Like, somebody else had to do this for me. Um, so we created this necklace and a keychain, and the idea is that it's given to you during that heavy, debilitating, don't want to function grief, and you keep it near your heart as long as it brings you comfort. And then when it doesn't do that anymore, because that's just the nature of grief, you're actually supposed to open it up, you take out the middle token, put that middle token into a new locket, and then you pay that new locket forward onto somebody else you know that needs love and support as they're going along their own grief journey. And then the middle token actually has a unique identifier on the backside, engraved on the backside, that allows you to register it on our website. You can follow it as it moves from person to person. Wow. You can share your story as much or as little as you'd like. Um, and just, you know, it's a very low key way to know that you're not alone. And everyone grieves in some form or fashion. Your grief is still uniquely yours and personal. And also there are similarities if you choose to see them. 
That's really, really lovely. I like that. <laughs> so can you talk to us about, um, you know, just kind of the process, either the process of how you wrote the book or how you came up with and, and started this company? Um, sure. So I, you know, people always say, oh, you should write a book. Everyone has a book in them, you know, just do it, blah, blah, blah. And I was, I've been told a few times, because I think it's like the thing you say to people, like, oh, your story's interesting. You should write a book. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, and then a person that I really respect and enjoy and knows about books said, no, really, I think you should consider writing a book. And I'm kind of working through this pro I'm tr trying to create this program thing that is basically a step-by-step -step accountability for writing a book. And mm -hmm. I thought, well, that's exactly what I need. Yeah. <laughs> accountability. Um, and so, and then he went on to say, you know, if, if you join me and we do this together and follow all the steps, you'll have your book out by next May. And I thought, oh, oh, four letter curse word. <laughs> now I have to do it. <laughs> because my daughter was born May 19th, uh. 2010. And so every year I try to do something special for her on her birthday. Okay. And so for her birthday this year, she got a book. Yeah. One that you wrote. One that I wrote. Yeah, not just any book. One that I wrote. And yeah. So. So tell me again, how many years has it been? It's been 10 years. 10 years. Okay. Yep. 2010. 2010. Um, and I pretty much lived in a hole. I lived my life waiting to die for about five years. And then began the healing process. Um, and I think a lot of people assume no matter what the grief is, it's, you know, three, six, nine, maybe 12 months, and then you're over it. You're never over it. Yeah. You just learn to live with it and learn to carry it in a less intrusive way than you once did. Hmm. Um, so was there anything that you can think of in particular that changed that took you from that first stage into the second or did it just kind of happen internally? I think it was that point that I realized that I was at my rock bottom mm -hmm. and that I was literally every day doing the bare minimum living waiting to die. And I was like, there are other people in my life that I either need to live or die. Like mm -hmm. there needs to not be this in, in between anymore. Um, and I was too uh, scaredy cat to do one. So I decided to live. <laughs> and it was pretty much that day that I was like, okay, I need to start, I need to start doing something. Hmm. And I started journaling. Um, not like writing a book journaling, like very, I call it bullet point journaling. Um, I started going to the gym, not always to work out. Sometimes I went, just went to the gym and like ate donuts, but I was at the gym. <laughs> I was out of my house, out of the bed, in the gym. Right. Um, and it was 
almost that point exactly that the concept of sharing solace hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. And it was like Madeline was saying, okay, mom, you're ready now. Yeah. You need to work through all your own stuff. And now let's do this together. Hmm. And you, you mentioned that um, you were thinking about other people in your life that needed you to, to make a decision. So do you think shifting from thinking about yourself to thinking about others, do you think that was part of it? I think that's kind of the nature of grief when you're in that debilitating, messy, yucky stuff. Mm -hmm. You can't be anything but self-centered. Right. Like you're doing everything you can just to put one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I think a little bit is when you notice that shift from it's all about me every, you know, like you can't even fathom realizing there are other people in the world mm -hmm. to realizing your friends and family still love you and want the best for you. I think that is a little bit of a tipping point. It's not the only tipping point. I don't think that there is really one that you can pinpoint. Yeah. But I think they're all signs that you're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. Um, so how many people have you, are, are part of your organization? How many have you been able to serve? Do you, do you know what the numbers are? I don't. Uh, yes and no. Like I could tell you, you know, how many pieces I've mailed out and how many books have been sent and journals and all that stuff. Um, I could give it to you in numbers, but that's not meaningful to me. It, it's like a, it's a scorecard, but it's not, there's so many people that have just found our, our Instagram page and, you know, get motivation and encouragement from that. And so it doesn't necessarily translate into people on the mailing list or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but I get probably, I, I get comments every day saying, thank you. I needed to hear this today. That's nice. I don't know from anybody, but you know, I needed to hear that the sun will come up tomorrow mm -hmm. kind of thing. So the short answer is about 200 is what we've helped with the token aspect of sharing solace. Mm -hmm. But I would hope it would be hundreds, if not thousands of people. I would imagine it would be, you know, you probably, because there's even, like you were saying, even on the social media and you get comments, but there, for every one comment you get, there's a hundred lurkers who right. don't comment. So I, I would not imagine. Lurker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine it's, the numbers are probably astronomically more than you than you can probably track you know knock on wood i mean that that's the goal right yeah so yeah well that's great that's i think that's a really great thing you're doing and i'm sure you're you're helping a lot of people and changing a lot of lives and it's really brave to to put your own grief and your own story out there like that so what are your plans for the future of your company oh um that's a very good question <laughs> The long-term goal is I want to be the Oprah of grief. Yeah. You know, like everybody loves Oprah. I don't know a single person that's like, no, Oprah is not for me. <laughs> you might not like be a raving fan Oprah, but nobody's like, that Oprah, she's crazy. <laughs> um, 
you know, I, I want to be, I want sharing, I want people to know that sharing solace is there as the first place to go when you are grieving or know someone that's grieving. We may not do it all. You know, like I, I don't run a specific support group. I don't, I'm not licensed, a licensed therapist. Mm -hmm. I think all of those things are wonderful. And I love to be able to connect people with those resources. Um, and I think that sharing solace is in a very unique position to be able to do that. Sure. Uh, whether it be through the book or the website or social media or whatever it is. Um, I think, I think we're positioned to be able to help people when they need help the most. Mm -hmm. And do you, do you encourage the people that you do help to write their stories? I do. Yeah. Um, not necessarily for a book or something that's to be published. I think that it's very important because it gets those thoughts and feelings out of your head mm -hmm. and it frees up space for you to have other thoughts. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I found. And, and that's just in life too. Like, oh, I, I need to remember to get coffee creamer at the grocery store, coffee creamer at the grocery store, you know, and, and that just plays on loop. And so I can't think about, hey, maybe I should watch where I'm walking kind of thing, yeah. you know? Um, so it's almost like a, like, almost like a purge sort of thing. Yes. That's kind of interesting. And especially in my situation, there are a lot of things that I didn't write down. And so I don't remember about yeah. the process, about my Madeline, about just everything. And so I think just by writing it down, you then have it as a reference point to go back to if you ever want to. Now you don't have yeah. to, um, but I wish, I, I honestly wish I would have written more of my story earlier. Yeah. For my personal benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, how often, I, I can't tell you how often I think to myself that I didn't write something down and I go to my list and I did write it down and I just forgot. Yep. I was like, oh, oh, okay, I did, I did it. I did write that down. And <laughs> I mean, how, how much more do we do that in every single part of our life, you know? And so, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's a super important point. So um, what about you? Are you going to, are you planning to do any more writing in the future? For I yourself have, or for anyone else? <laughs> I mean, yes, I always write for me. Okay. I, you know, I, uh, a journal, short form journal, long form journal. I just, you know, whatever's in my mind comes out. Um, I am, I do think, I don't know if it's going to be a book or a program or a, like a seminar or what it's going to be yet. Um, but I have the title. <laughs> I, what is think, it? I think I'm going to call it feel your effing feels. <laughs> and you can, you can substitute whatever word you'd like in there. Um, but again, it's all about, you know, allowing yourself to feel feel those emotions that are dirty and yucky and nasty and nobody wants to feel, but that's how you move forward to a better place to your, your new happy, your new normal. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I mean, I personally have worked diligently to try to find my new happy. It is not what I thought it would be. This is not plan A. 
it probably isn't even B or it might be Q, plain Q. <laughs> um, but I have taken the time and decided that I'm going to choose to find happiness and choose to find normalness in this life that I'm living. Um, and I think that that was so powerful for me. Sure. Um, and if I can help others see that and, and experience that and do that themselves, then I'm, I'm not failing in the world. Yeah, no, most definitely. You're not failing. Um, yeah, and I think that's just life. That's just everybody's journey. That's, that's what most stories are patterned after. You know, there's a reason that we, I always say we, always, we all consume stories in the same way, using the same um, template or pattern. And it's just because that's the way we live our lives too. You know, we never end up where we thought we were going to be. And we never, we always learn things along the way that we didn't expect and, and have obstacles and stumbling blocks. And, you know, it's different for everybody. But yeah, I think that's, that's really lovely what you're doing. Really yeah. great. So can I, can I ask on a personal note, if you've had any more children since Madeline? Madeline is our one and only. Okay. Um, we found out after she died that she had a genetic condition that made mm -hmm. it impossible for, to her to, for her to sustain her own life. Okay. Um, and that is a genetic condition that I have and passed on to her. I see. And so we, we tried um, in vitro fertilization or IVF three mm -hmm. times, mm -hmm. um, you know, thinking, oh, well, all we got to do is get science involved. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's not going to be like, surprise, you're pregnant. It's going to be like, we, we, you know. Yeah. Um, but after three rounds and four years in probably five different states, um, Madeline's still our one and only. Wow. Well, that makes her special. Very special. Absolutely. <laughs> Not that she needed another reason to be special. No, no. <laughs> but I'll take it. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and I talk about that too in the book and that, you know, it's, you have this idea of this perfect life, uh, you know, growing up, especially from the Midwest, I'm in Kansas City. So, you know, you, you graduate high school, you go to college, you get married, you buy a house with a fence and a yard and you have babies and then you grow old and then you die. Right. Like, that is what you do. Um, it's never even like a, is this what I want kind of thing. It's just, that is what you do. Mm -hmm. and you, you know, and if that is what happened to me, I would, I would be, obviously I, I would do anything to have Madeline here with me today. Right. That's not in question because that is not how it, I really had to question things and say, is this what I really want? Or is this what I'm told to want? And do I, you know, what does happiness look like for me? Does it have to be a litter of children and grandchildren and great grandchildren? Um, and so after, after saying yes, 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 that's what it has to be. Um, we kind of, decided, my husband and I decided together that we're just going to aunt and uncle the hell out of our siblings, of our <laughs> nephews and nieces. <laughs> yeah. You know, sure. sugar and the candy and the, and then send them back to their own parents. Yep. <laughs> I'm actually in that same boat for different reasons, but yeah, I uh, take care of my nieces and nephews. I don't have kids of my own. And then, yeah, I can take care of them and I can be their favorite aunt. And then I just send them home. <laughs> yep. 
exactly there's definitely something to be said for that <laughs> and then i get to sleep in and stay up late and do all the things that mom and dad don't get to and build a business which you might not have yep. done otherwise exactly. so yes yeah that's great so kind of on a last note what advice would you dispense to anybody who um you know either is grieving but also who might want to work through that or tell a story about grief of any kind one just do it just write it down whether that's pen and paper or uh, you know audio to your phone or typing it out i don't regret much in life but i regret not having some of those stories that i know i if i had written down i would have um, and then find people that understand your unique pain, your unique grief. And that doesn't mean, you know, like I lost a, a baby, so I only hang out with lost moms, um, right. you know, but, but there is something very comforting in knowing that there are others that can sympathize and empathize with what I'm going through even a decade later. Um, I, I, I truly believe that grief is grief and that one, everyone grieves, but there's also, if you're willing to see the connections and the similarities with me losing my daughter and you losing your job, there's, there are similarities there. Um, Find your group that gets you. Sure. Do you think that people always grieve in the same way and it's just a matter of the depth depending on what it is? Nope. No? Um, there is no right way to grieve. I, even like my husband and I, mm -hmm. when we lost Madeline, I sat on the sofa for like months at a time. Like just sat there staring at the wall. My husband had to do things. Right. He like rewired the house. He cleaned out the car's carburetor. He, you know, like did all of these crazy things. And he's like that. I, I need to do something. I, I can't fix this. I need to fix something. Um, and so I think everyone grieves differently. I think there's no right way to grieve. I think there's probably a few wrong ways to grieve. Like, if you're contemplating hurting yourself or others, that is not necessarily, a, I would go so far as to say that's probably a wrong way to grieve. Sure, yeah. But for me to say the way that I grieve is right is not accurate. Yeah, no, I get that. But in terms of, um, I don't know, I guess I don't really know what I'm trying to ask. In terms of similarities, like you were saying between your loss and someone losing their job in that way grief is at least similar yes in that you can connect over that same kind of grief but of course yours is going to be a lot deeper because you lost a child versus someone who lost a job and theirs will probably i mean it's depending on the job yeah. just different yeah more surface i don't think that it's i hate to say that mine is better or worse right um it's just different yeah like all people are different, so all people are different. Can't yeah. really quantify it too much. Exactly. Right. 
Well, hey, thank you so much for being on the show today. I think this is a really, really deep and, and beautiful topic. And, and I think you're super brave to have done this. And I'm sure you're changing lives left and right. And I, I even feel like, um, even though I, I, I kind of feel funny saying this, I don't want to at all um, make light of any of what we've talked about here today. But I feel like writers, even of fiction, can take a lot of lessons from this in the ways they construct their characters and the way they, you know, construct their stories and that there should always be some level of grief involved in order to, you know, create some sort of transformation. You know, I just feel like this is the kind of thing people could listen to over and over again and, and apply it in different ways. And it's just really has a lot of depth to it. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah. How are you going to overcome adversity if there's no over adversity to overcome? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for letting me be here today. I really enjoyed this. This was fun. Yeah, it was. We should do it again sometime. Where okay. can people find you if they want to connect with you? And, and where can they find your book and your, your company? Um, the best place to find it all is probably the website, which is just sharingsolace.com. You can also, you know, Instagram, Facebook, you can find us on all the social media handles. Great. All that good stuff. Um, but it's also on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all of the places that you find books. Google, Google Books. Even places I don't know it is. It's like, oh, look, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> all right. Well, I will make sure to link to all of that in the show notes so that people can find you. And um, yeah, thanks again for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network, and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.